Welcome friends to the Someone Gets Me podcast. I am your host, Diane Allen, and I am so delighted that you're here. This podcast was created because I believe there is a visionary leader inside each one of us who is waiting to be seen. In each episode of Someone Gets Me, you will hear useful tips from successful visionaries who will share their stories about how being seen has allowed them to take their vision out into the world with action. What to do when you are not understood. Hey everybody, it's Diane here with our special guest, Christine McAllister from Green, Kentucky. And she has had just the most amazing life and the ups and downs and the messiness of being a talented, amazing woman. And she's here to share with us personal and professional things to do when you're not being understood. So welcome to the show, Christine. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Diane. I am so excited and honored. Oh, I'm so excited that you're here. And I would like to start out asking you, has there ever been any time in your life where you've not been understood by people, where people kind of looked at you like the confused dog look like, huh? I don't get you. I'd say most of my life, the majority of my life, maybe 95% of my life. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So how old were you when, how, or how young were you, I guess, when you first realized that, wait a second, I'm like different than those other people around me. Probably when I started school, I think my parents did a good job of cultivating my independence, my strengths my uniqueness, my giftedness, all of these things that make me me. And then when I got into school, that started to trigger teachers who tried to shut me down because I was a bossy girl instead of like, oh, that boy's going to be a leader one day. Right? right. And so they called me the boss of the applesauce and shamed me in front of the class for trying to help. And I was also very, very sensitive, still am very, very sensitive, very, very empathic. And so what that did to me from the age of five was really go, it's not safe. It's not safe to be a leader. I need to be nice instead. So you ended up having to try to figure out how to squash that leadership part of you. Yeah, it would still come out, but I was very insecure about it because of what had happened, you know, in those formative years. And because it it didn't feel safe to be like basically the star that I knew I was born to be. I was singing right. on the church stage solo at four, you know, and it was like no big deal. And I was walking up to my dad's boss who ran this big law firm in DC and he was 60 and I was four. And I was like, do you want to play croquet? You know, and everyone's like, what is that little girl doing? And that was just who I was. You know, I never knew a stranger. I loved to perform. And I had no fear. And that really has been the person that I have been working on rediscovering for the past six years or so. So let's talk a little bit about that shame you experienced. Because when you were telling that story about your teachers, I remembered when I was in, I think I was in third grade and I had an art teacher tell me that I couldn't draw and that I was a terrible artist and all of those things. And and I'm very intensely sensitive and empathic. And it got in you know, from that authority figure that I didn't have any creativity, which is the furthest thing from the truth, right? And, and so I lived with that kind of shame until I was in my 20s when I started like 
unearthing it and doing the healing and rectifying the situation. And so what were some of the impacts that happened to you as a result of being shamed from such an early age out from people outside the home? It wasn't like your parents did it. And, you know, teachers a lot don't realize the damage they're doing. Yeah. I think I, I really found my, my niche, if you will, my box in being a high, classic high achiever and the oldest of four. So where I got attention was being getting positive recognition. But then I also had shame about that because I felt bad as a people, what I become was a people pleaser because I needed to be nice to get the positive attention. And so I felt bad about all the achievements. So I would achieve and then I would hide it. You know, I wouldn't recognize it. Even to this day, I still have a like achievement amnesia where I'm like, did I really do all that cool stuff in my life? And I'm still doing it. Like it's like continually recognizing and allowing myself to recognize it and still go instead of going, oh yeah, 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 but let's get to the next thing. Right. Right. I think a lot of us do. And Mm -hmm. so I, I think that it, it led to also a lot of anxiety because I would, there would be moments when I would just do what I can remember. I was in this really cool at the time they called a gifted and talented program one day a week and in elementary school. And I adored my teacher and like nominated her for teacher of the year later on. And she just was like the bright spot in my week. Right. And so I got to, I got to spend a, a day a week with her. And one time she sent me up to another classroom because the teacher hadn't sent her students down yet. And I can remember she's a South African woman. She was very intimidating. And so I went and I said exactly what my teacher had said to say, which was that, hi, I'm here to uh, get the, you know, pick up the, uh, the gifted and talented students for Mrs. Higdon's class. And the teacher said, well, all of my students are gifted and talented. And I was like, I was just doing what I was supposed to. I'm eight years old. Do you know what I mean? So right, it was like right. that kind of stuff that I was like, I'm never sure. I'm never sure if I'm okay because it was not okay to be me. And now I'm trying to be nice and then do exactly what I'm told. And it's still not okay to be me. So where right. does that leave me? Right. Just like looking for external validation, swimming in that sea and going like, I have these huge dreams of impact and changing the world, but I am like, I don't even know how to name my own emotions. You know, how am I going to navigate the this self-doubt, this fear, mm-hmm. this anxiety, this overwhelm that comes with being a certain kind of person who's being uh, attempted to put in a certain kind of box. Right. And then the boxes that you're trying to fit in to cope and manage didn't fully work. And so it's still just one big mess after the other. So how did it re- affect your friendships? Yeah. <laughs> Probably really well summarized by one of my good guy friends in high school. I always had a lot of great guy friends and didn't really have boyfriends, which of course I wanted in high school. And I was looking around at all my girlfriends who were dating. I was like, what is it? And one of my friends said to me, like, talk about a backhanded compliment. He goes, you know, Christine, you might not make a great girlfriend, but you're going to make a really great wife one day. And I was like, I don't really care about that right now. I'm 16, you know, like, (laughs) what is it? What's going on here? But I want to be your girlfriend. (laughs) So 
so I always had, I had guy friends. I, I was, I was a nice kid. I was never the popular kid. I was the kid that the popular kids would come to, to help get help with their homework. And then like, they had nothing else to write in my yearbook at the end of the year, except like, thanks for helping me with my homework. And then one of them would see it and be like, oh, thank God we have something to say to her. And then the rest of them would write that in my, in my yearbook. And I was like, okay, this is the relationship that I have with these people. (laughs) Right, right. Oh my God, that's hilarious. You're bringing back so many flashbacks for me. It's not even funny. It's not even funny. I'm like, oh my God, I've heard the same comments before and I hadn't thought about them in years. I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) So weird, right? High school is such a weird time for those of us who are like in that realm. And when you're in that different space of being really intense and really sensitive, which people call empath and all different kinds of things, but it's part of the, the gifted constellation. It's a whole different worldview. It's a whole different experience. And so as you developed and got older and got out of high school and kept on going with your life, how did the misunderstanding or the not being understood, did it shift or change as you got older? Did people, or did people start finally understanding you or what happened as you got older and kind of grew into yourself more, which you're still growing into yourself. And I think we all always are, you know, but yeah. How did that start shifting? Like as you hit your like early twenties and started moving into being this really amazing, powerful woman that you are today. You know, in my, in my university years and in my twenties, I really just became a person who was good at helping other people shine. Even into my first business, uh, my first job, I was a professor. That was not my plan, but I was, it was offered to me and I was like, well, I don't know how to start my own business and I'm too scared. So I guess I'll say yes to this. Right. Which I mean, hugely prestigious to become a university professor in the, at a school that was at the top of the field that I was in at age 23. Right. right. At the time it was like, oh, well, this is like the thing that I'm falling into because I never had intended to be any kind of a teacher. It's not what I'd studied. It wasn't right. what I, where I was headed. And, you know, even like in my, like my first love who I met in college and dated into my twenties, um, he's incredibly like charismatic, gregarious mm-hmm. life of the party. And I was, I told myself a story that like really and truly, like he taught me how to stop being so serious and have fun. And I will forever be grateful for that. And like, he kind of mirrored who I actually was, nice. but had like hidden away for so long. Like now I would say you put the two of us in a room together. It's like, we're both performing. We're both the life of the party, right? Mm-hmm. We're both. But at the time I was like, oh, I'm content to let him shine. Like I'm the support because the stories of like how I grew up and, you know, even like mm-hmm. what was modeled for me with a stay at home mom and like, you know, a full-time working dad and like the gender roles, right? So I was like, okay, this is, this is how this is going to be, right? I'm going to help him get famous in his field. I have, he was, he was my first client. He's the first person I helped quit a job well before I ever started my own business. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Believed in him, right? More than I believed in myself. And so I think really throughout my twenties and even into my early thirties, it was just like, Hey, play it safe, like in incremental stages. Uh, and really knowing that I was meant for more, but feeling like very frustrated, uncertain, you know, 
not seeing the path, not believing in myself, not being willing to really take the risks to, to live that out and walk that out. So what happened? What, what happened that created the shift where you were willing to come out of that or able to come out of it really, and begin to start walking the path to reclaiming the real Christine that kept getting hidden and kept getting put away over all these years. And, and what happened? Yeah. So it took a personal tragedy for me, Mm -hmm. uh, which is part of the reason why I do what I do, because I don't want other people to hit rock bottom in their lives. Um, although a lot of times that's what it takes and that's okay. It's my, my story. Um, so I was, um, full term pregnant after a perfect pregnancy, expecting my first daughter. I had some infertility, some early three early miscarriages. Uh, but this was different and that everything was textbook. And so I had just had, I had had like a Saturday and Sunday baby showers, like family had driven in, friends had driven in, all these people were there. And we had gotten the car seat at the showers, put it in the car. And it was like, all right, Christine's hella pregnant. Like, it's time for me to go put my swollen ankles up and wait for this baby because I am like, let's go, right? Nursery's done. Everything's ready. Bag is packed. And I went to my 37-week doctor appointment. uh, And they said, there's no heartbeat. I'm sorry. Like, your baby has passed away. I know. And I was like, that's not a thing that happens. Like that is like not even in the realm of like my understanding of possibility even. Right. Right. I'd had miscarriages. Once you're past the first trimester, you're good to go. Right. That's what you're told. And so I was like, I've never heard of this happening. This is, this is insane. And I was sent immediately to the hospital to be induced. Like it was this whirlwind of a, what? Like one day I am the girl, like, okay, welcome to first baby. Here's all the presents. The next day it's like, now I'm the girl with a dead baby. And now I have to deliver her, you know, and go through that trauma with like no prize at the end. Right. Right. And they're like sitting there with a nine months pregnant belly and they're handing me brochures on like, Here's how to plan a funeral for your baby. And I'm like, what? Oh my God. Like, it's just, it was like, there's, there are no words, right? No. And so I went through that trauma of like delivering her, you know, meeting her and saying goodbye to her all in one, you know, a matter of hours. And in the, in what followed was like this, this weird permission and exploration that I had never been in before. I, I became like acutely aware that this was going to define me one way or another. Mm. Like I had always told myself this story that even though I had dealt with stuff like anxiety and depression and disordered eating and like I was like, you shouldn't have deal with that stuff because your life's been good, Christine, right? Like you have so, you've been given so much. You had a great, you know, family. And why do you struggle, right? Right. So right. I didn't really feel, feel like I had a very dramatic story at that point. And this was like, oh, this is the thing, <laughs> right? 
So what are my choices here? I could see two paths diverging in a wood, right? One of them, I was like, I get, and I do not judge why people lock themselves in their rooms and numb out with some substance because this is the worst thing that I could ever imagine happening. I would much rather have died. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I think that's what being a parent is, but that's my only experience of being a parent because I literally am like at home and now I have an empty nursery, right? And so I was like, that's one way that this could go. Right. And I, I could see it, you know, it's legit. Um, this trauma is not something you come back from very easily. Right, right. <laughs> or it was like, I could, I could use that grief and I could use that anger and I could use that realization that I have nothing to be scared of anymore and go, screw what everybody else thinks. I'm here to make a legacy for her because that's the only way I know to parent right. a dead baby and to like finally do the thing figure out what the thing is and like do the thing that I am here on this earth to do. Right. Right. Answer the call. I would say. Yep. Answer the call. Yep. I can finally exactly. answer the call unadulterated and not being held back by anyone or anything because I've already suffered the most unspeakable suffering like ever. Yep. yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Wow. I have goosebumps. Whoa. Oh, bless your heart. So fast forward us a little bit. Yeah. How did thing how how did you start? Well, we we know what road you picked. Yeah. Right. Because I'm right? here. Um, because you're here. And you have a thriving business and you do really cool, great things. And so we know we know what road you picked because yeah. we because we we have the we have this part of the movie. So yeah. so how did you pull yourself out of that? I just I just whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And you have children now. I do. I have two living children. They're four and one. Uh, and so my first daughter, Maeve, was born a little over six years ago. So then I somehow, somehow went through the insanity of deciding it was a good idea. Like, I can only blame hormones for this, Diane, honestly, of being like, let's go through that again. Let's, let's try it one more time. Until, <laughs> until they're out. You know, and living with that. I, I really don't know how I did it. But anyway, it's done. I have two beautiful girls living, four and one, super grateful. Um, and now I'm closed for business and I'm also super grateful for that because that was a lot. Six years, seven years, trying to get pregnant, getting pregnant, nursing, weaning, getting pregnant again, like, whoa. Right. Um, so what happened in the in the immediacy was that... Maybe about two months later, I was running an online marketing agency at the time. I was booked out on referrals. I did find some, I found some solace in my work because I enjoyed my work, right? And so like when I needed to take a break from crying or needed to get out of bed, it gave me something to do that I really felt was helping other people, which is the reason I had done it in the first place. Right. And it gave me the ability to like grieve as I wanted and like leave my house because I didn't want to be around the nursery, camp out somewhere else, right? So it had... Oh, it had done a lot for me in it. I had been running it for 10 years. And I knew there was another level. What it took for me to get started was um, about two months after I lost her, mm -hmm. I was super pissed because I was still in maternity clothes. And I was like, I do not need this reminder every day that like I was pregnant. I don't have a baby to show for it, but my body is still acting like I do, right? 
And so I, I, my first glimpse of like, if I can do this, right. Was I, I hired my first coach for like a hundred bucks or something for a month to help me just like get fit again, you know, and believe that I could do that and believe that I could accomplish this little thing for myself over the course of a month and like get out of these clothes that were pissing me off and get back into some sense of normalcy, right? Right. Like my regular clothes. Right. So she helped me to do that. And right from, from taking action comes confidence. And so I was like, okay, here's a small win that I've achieved for myself. And from there, I hired my very first business coach mentor to do what I thought at the time was like scale my agency to, you know, create more freedom, to create more impact and income, to be able to give more away because I really wanted to like support these organizations. We had created a nonprofit in her honor. I wanted to be able to fund these organizations that had like helped us survive this. And, um, and what came out of that was really like pulling out my zone of genius, which was just part of what I was doing in the agency, which was the consulting piece, the teaching piece, the counseling piece, the like, you know, all this stuff. Mm -hmm helping people match up like how they're wired with what kind of business to build, which frankly, I've been trying to talk to my grandma about and my cousin who could care less, right? And my aunt and they're like, we're good. We're retiring from the job or we never worked or whatever. I'm like, no, you need to start a business, you know? And so my first coach helped me to see like how I could take that package. I like talk to people who actually wanted to talk about it about like creating their own freedom and, you know, doing it on on their own terms. Oh, it's so hysterical because I, all the time we talk about multiple peer groups. And so when you're out talking to somebody who love you, but they're not the target person to talk to or the one in that right bucket, it's like, they love you and they want to hear you and all that, but it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. And so they walk away frustrated. You walk away not feeling heard. And then it's just one big miscommunication, misunderstood or not understood because everybody's meaning well. So you can be misunderstood even with everybody meaning well. Totally. You know, with people not trying to cause harm. And a lot of think I think a lot of times people think that some of the traumas and some of the things we have to heal are because somebody intentionally inflicted it. But not all of it is intentional. Some of it is just not knowing any better or not realizing how how what they say lands on us, especially because we're empaths, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally that. Totally that. And so that business coach helped you get stuff going. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was six years ago this, this summer. And, uh, and so from the beginning, my, my business has been called life with passion, which was the name of in grad school. I did a documentary as my thesis project for PBS. And that was the name of that, uh, documentary that aired nationally and won some awards. And so then when it came time to name my dream business, it had been a decade and I was like, that feels right. So it was life with passion 2.0. And uh, my, my niche has changed over the years as like what I've done for myself and, you know, where I am on my journey has changed, but really like the heart is just to, to serve people who want to be free, to serve people who want to have more impact and income. It's always high achievers because that's who I attract. You know, it's usually very soulful, sensitive, empathic people also. Right. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, it's in honor of my daughter. And so it's like, there's never been a, Oh, is this my life's work? It's like, 
Steph, yeah, this is my life's work. Like, I'm doing this. Uh, this is the party that I'm having. Are you coming or not? Because right. this is the row we're walking, right? Right. And totally. uh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. So here we are. <laughs> so how do you, what are some tips? Because I'm listening to you and for all of those of you who are really digging what Christine's saying, like me, check out her bio and her links in the show notes and follow her because I've started following her podcast, which we're going to talk about in a minute and her work because she inspires me, you know? And so hopefully Same. you're getting as inspired as me, but I have a question about this that, that I'm certain you can answer listening to you. I'm thinking about the people who are the geeky, intelligent, smart, creative, high achievers that are usually kind of outliers because they're really high achieving. And we're usually the firstborn. I fit that. I'm the firstborn and I'm little miss high achiever. And I used my high achievement to cope with life until I could get somebody to understand me somewhere. And I was in my twenties. So I totally, when you're telling that story, I'm like, yeah, okay, me too. So how do you take that person who is also intensely sensitive and empathic and life lands on them in a totally different way? And there's those people that they're listening to us right now and they feel kind of stuck or they don't know what to do to get out of the rut or they have a dream. They have a big life-changing goal and they look around and it's like, but nobody understands me. And that existential depression starts to weigh heavy. What do you want to say to that person? Yeah. Such a great question. I love it. My biggest lesson that keeps me coming back to possibility instead of overwhelm or freak out, which believe me, I hang out there. And like what keeps me getting back quicker and quicker is reminding myself, I always have a choice in every moment. And you know, that might sound cheesy and you've probably heard it before. And like zoom out meta, it's like the same thing that, I shared from when Maeve died, like I had a choice, right? And in any moment and in every moment, we have a choice about the story we tell ourselves. We're the only creatures who get to create our own powerful meanings and associations, right? Right. right. And and because I I think that I I walked most of my life feeling stuck feeling like I want this thing and I have no idea how to get it and feeling like a victim, frankly. And I didn't know anything about mindset or how to practice that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not how I was brought up. I was brought up very black and white, very conservative in the church. And I was listening to some of the like early books, like Rich Dad, Poor Dad and some of this stuff, right, like right. getting them from the, this was my personal development, getting them for free from the library on CD and driving around in my little Honda and being like, why isn't my life different? You know, and (laughs) like the, the path that I have been on since I started, you know, surrounding myself with other people, mainly online and like getting coached to within an inch of my life and doing this work and being in peer groups who get me like it's opened up my eyes because most of the world doesn't live like this, you know? Most of the world is not willing to get this uncomfortable and like get coached until they start sweating. Or like for me, like you can see it a little bit right now. My neck is red as we're talking about like things that are important, you know, 
or like get a pit in your stomach and like go for it anyway, right? Deal with your fear and not let it stop you because it's not how we're wired reactively. And I think that the big thing for me that always helps me when I'm getting stuck is like coming back to your why, you know? I think a lot of us are like, I don't want to be that person on social who's like putting everything out there and getting naked just to sell my business or whatever, or sell my thing or, you know, get the next thing. And I get it. And I think it's also like, it's about realizing that my mission, like people need to see me in a certain kind of way in order to allow me to help them live their purpose. And so it's all in service of like my why and my mission. And if like, they need to see me do a thing or post a thing or whatever. It's not because I need the attention. It's because it helps me to like walk that out. And so it really becomes not about me, but about like the mission. And that always helps me because I'm so mission driven that I'm just like, what is it going to take? You know, and then what's the easiest way? What, how am I wired to make it as easy as possible? Right. So being really clear on the mission, yeah, which includes the why, but it also includes the spiritual connection to it. It includes the emotional connection to it. it includes the peer groups. Yeah. It's just not an intellectual why, which a lot of people I think think that the why is intellectual. For me, my why is spiritual. It's like core, which is what it sounds like happens to you. It's like more of in our nature and the intellect gets to be the supporting character to help bring it out. But that's not where it starts. And I think a lot of smart people, a lot of gifted people start in their head and they never let it get into their heart and their soul. And so when we start talking about why they go in their head, but when we yeah. talk about why we're in our gut and our soul yes. and our head is the supporting actor or actress, right? Yes. And that's a whole different reality. It is. One's, yeah. a, you know, a head with a you know, body with a head that just does like a computer. And the other one is alive and animated and has momentum. And it's easy to get misunderstood. It's easy to not be understood when you have that level of intensity and passion and life lands on you in such um, an intense kind of way, in a real kind of way where it's not just constructs. Yes, yes. And to your point about the head being a supporting and a supporting role, sometimes that role is in conflict with the lead (laughs) role, right? Sometimes, like, I would say if you stay up in your head, then there's another part of your head that's like, no, it's not safe, right? Fight or flight or freeze, right? As opposed to like, I want this thing, that would be really cool. And then, you know, your autonomic nervous system is like, no, that's not safe, that's not okay. Tells, spins the stories of whatever. I'm gonna be a terrible mother if I have a certain level of success, right? I can't have both or like, I'm going to have to work all of the time and I'm going to hate my life or whatever I grew up, whatever we grew up with, you know how this is, you know how this works. And so if it only lives in my head, then that, you know, 99, 95% of the unconscious is designed to keep me. What I like to say is to your brain, safe is same, even if it sucks, right? Right? Familiar pain. I call it familiar pain. We'll stay stuck right there because we know the rules, even if we don't want to be there. So if we don't let our heart and our spirit help kind of ignite the fire and let it emerge, we end up living a silent misery as a gifted, talented person who knows there could be so much more, which to me, that exquisite pain is 
second only to the pain you had to endure. Yeah. You know, really. Yeah. I feel it. And uh, so we're both on a mission to help people not suffer. Yes. With that yes. exquisite, unspoken misery. Yes. Like you Acting know like you're meant every, for more. Right? Yeah. So when you know you're meant for more, and everywhere you turn, when I asked you about being misunderstood, you said 95 or so percent of your time. Mm-hmm. I agree. For me, I have the same reasoning. Mm-hmm. Some of the sentences you've said, I have said. So it's like, mm-hmm. okay, we've had parallel lives and didn't know each other. Oh, um, sister. I know. Didn't that? So, and, and so when I look forward, okay, so we're going to look forward into the future for a minute. You have these two beautiful daughters. You have a great, thriving, successful business because you're living in your authenticity and you're living in your integrity. And I believe that when we live in our integrity and we're authentic, that our success is assured. That it, there's real, it's not, am I going to be successful? It's how you know, in my world. So, so in the business world, we're both women. Uh, do you ever get misunderstood by other women? Yeah. Yeah. How about you? <laughs> All the time. All the time. How about <gasps> men? Do you relate better to men business-wise? You know, that's an interesting question because in my marketing business, and like I shared with you in high school and college, like mm-hmm. I got along very easily with men. Guys made really easy friends, had great working relationships. When I got into this business, I told myself a story that I really wanted to help women get free uh, and and live, you know, through their through their businesses. And that and I did, and I worked exclusively with women for for about five and a half years. And then, honestly, like I joined a mastermind that was full of a lot of soulful men, and it caused me to confront my judgment, my story that if I was going to work with men again, then I was going to, and in this space, you know, like right. where we see the YouTube ads with the Lamborghinis and the bikinis and all this stuff. And I was like, ow, right. So I had this like binary judgment that if I was going to work with men, I was going to have to work with, you know, what bro culture and these jerks and these people who are super, you know, toxic masculinity. Right. And then I met these other men and I saw it was possible. And I was like, oh, okay. That was just such a judgment on my part. I can choose to let it go. Um, and you know, I think it was really hard for me in the beginning of my business because I was also basically rebuilding myself. Like the pre-Mave Christine was gone. And I literally had family members say to me, like, we just want the old Christine back. And I was like, yeah, you do. You want the codependent person who carried this relationship and took care of you. Well, that person died. I'm like, lucky if I brush my hair. I can't take care of you in this moment anymore. And then I became unwilling to take care of them once I saw it for what it was. Right. 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 And so I, I redefined a ton of my relationships because I was a different person. And I think that that really happened in, in terms of my network as well. I think a lot of people fell away as they saw me stand in my power. And I think that can be a lot more painful if you're, if you're choosing it rather than being like, oh no, like that person is ashes. This is the Phoenix. 
you know, it's really scary to be like, who am I going to lose from my tribe if I stand Mm -hmm. in my voice, use my voice in my power? And I feel that. And part of it is just like, I think I've grown to be a person that's like, I mean, it might've taken six years, but it's like, you have no idea. Like, that's okay. It's easy to say, must be nice. And you have no idea the depth of work that I've done on myself. Yeah, you know what? It is nice. And like, you can misunderstand me all that I want, but I'm like, I'm proud. And like, I know who I hold space for. And I know that people who are here to do the work are my people. And then if you're here to sit in victim mode, like, I hope, like, I hope seeing this, if it triggers you, I hope at one point it will be one step on your path to like, hearing what you need to hear to get there. Right. Oh, that's so beautifully said. I have goosebumps. It's so true. It's so true. The, the depth of work that all of us do to get to where we are. I, I tell everybody all the time, and I even, I think I even used to say this before I really got it completely, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that your business, which I think of it as an entrepreneur business, but also our career, our, our life, yeah. can never outgrow our level of personal development and personal health. No, no matter what. And, um, and even if it, and it's not just money related, right? So mm. a lot of, you know, not so great people can make a lot of money, but look at the rest of their lives and there's all those pieces. Yeah. yeah. So it takes a lot of deep personal development. And I've had some men on my show. Um, one of them in particular who, uh, he, it was before it was on YouTube. He was so great. And he was an attorney. His name was Shalev Amar, and he's from California, and he's great. Maybe I'll post the link to his audio, because near the end of the show, he um, he did this whole long thing about personal development and what he has done. He started listing things. He listed things I'd never heard of, and I've tried almost everything. Mm-hmm. And he really was passionate about, you can only be successful if you're working on yourself. Mm-hmm. And so the people who try to be successful or feel great um, vicariously, miss it. Mm-hmm. And they end up feeling frustrated. Mm-hmm. So when you're listening to Christine and I talk about this, you got to do the work, you know, and it's messy sometimes and it's glorious mm-hmm. sometimes and it's all of these things sometimes. And we're here to do the work. And in that is the greatest gift of all our freedom. Mic drop, Diane Allen, everyone. Oh, that was wonderful. So um, now I have another couple of other things. I'm not done with you yet. <laughs> Perfect. Um, what is the most memorable food you've ever eaten? Can it be a drink? It can be anything. So I am sitting in the Rivoli bar, which is this sunken at least a hundred year old bar in the Ritz London. Mm. And I have never stayed in a place like this in my life. I have never done anything like this in my life. It's like five and a half years ago. And it felt so luxurious and just like, Oh, stepping into this new version of myself and the mixologist. Cause they're at the front of like all of the things. Mm-hmm came over and we started chatting. And of course I do what I do and made friends. Right. And he recommended this drink that had (laughs) violet air 
And I was like, I don't know what that is. I don't know how it tastes, but I have to see, right? So they bring it to the table and it is like in a beautiful Gimlet glass. I love the shape of those. And it's purple and it has a top over it with some kind of air, right? Like a mist or steam or something vaporized. And so they pull it off and somehow it's infused into the drink and it like goes into the air. And it was just this epic sensory experience, like a drink with air, right? Right. And he also brought us some samples of the other drinks that I was like trying to decide between. And one of them was like had buttered bourbon where they soak the bourbon in butter and then they skim it at the top when they freeze it. And so everything's infused. And it was just, it was this magical service experience. I'm not really much of a mixed drinks kind of person, but it's like one of these places where all of these famous people had been and you could feel it. Mm, yes. You could yes. feel the magic of everything right. this place had seen over a hundred plus years. And it was, it was the experience of being in that energy and like being able to connect with this, this person and have the, have the conversations and have the right. kind of sensory anchoring. Oh, that is an amazing story. I could, as you're telling the story, I'm like there with you. I love it. I love it. And so in the show notes, everybody, is how you can reach Christine and follow her. But I would like you to speak for a moment about your podcast. So, And we'll put a link to your podcast in the show notes as well. So people can follow you because your podcast is amazing. Ever since I've met you, I've started listening to it. Same. And, and I um, I love it. So I thought that you could tell everybody the name of your podcast and a little bit about it. So if they're really loving what you're saying, they also can connect with you, not only here on Someone Gets Me, but on your show as well. Yeah. Well, one of the reasons I love Diane so much is obviously we're soul sisters, as you've heard, and we have such a similar mission with our podcast. So this is Someone Gets Me. My podcast is No One's Ever Asked Me That. And Diane is going to be a future guest. So Go ahead and subscribe wherever you listen so that you can make sure when Diane's episode drops where I get to turn the mic around on her, uh, you can hear that conversation where I am known for asking people questions that no one's ever asked them before. So let's see if I can pull one on Diane. That would be very good because I hear that all the time. No one's ever asked me that before. Or I get the look away stare like, oh, that's that's a question. And then... Not very long ago, I asked a question to somebody and the response was, that's not fair. <laughs> that question's not fair. And I left it in. It's in the show. Um, it was a fair question, but it was just so cute because that people think they come in with a script and an assumption. And um, I don't have a script and I don't do assumptions. So that's not the kind of experience. And I warn people. Yeah. So it, it all works. Yeah. So is there anything that you wanted to talk about today that I didn't ask you about or mention um, that's on your heart you would like to share with everybody before I ask you your last question. Thank you for that. Hmm. I think that the the big takeaway for me when you boil this all down, whether you want to be successful in business like us or whether you want you know, to be known for a particular thing, career, life, whatever, it's like conversations like this one are just the lifeblood, I believe, of a, of a fulfilled career business life. You know, like 
that's building real connections with people that you feel drawn to. Right. That's what makes life fun. I mean, done. Right. Yeah. And whether that's podcasting or whether that's connection calls or sitting across from someone with tea, if you're allowed to do that right now or whenever, like it, it really can be so simple if we will just get out of our heads and stop trying to make it about all these complicated strategies and the next hot app or whatever. And just remember, it's always, always comes down to relationships. And it's mm-hmm. also happens to be how we're wired for, for fulfillment. True. Totally true. We're human beings, not human doings, right? Yeah, even though I struggle with that one, if we're being honest. (laughs) Well, all the high achievers are. We go between machine, being, machine, being, being, machine, you know, like a megaphone. And it's totally okay to be messy. It's totally okay to make a decision and screw it up. And it's totally okay to nail it and be great at something. All of those things are totally cool. Because at the end of the day, it's are we living in integrity and authenticity? That's at the end of the day, that's what matters. Beautiful. So your last question of the Someone Gets Me podcast is, if there was going to be a billboard that you were going to put Christine's quote on for the whole world to see, what does that billboard say? I think I'm going to go with Clarity and confidence come from action, not from sitting around thinking about it. (laughs) Nice. Clarity and confidence come from action, not just sitting around thinking about it. And for those of you who've known me a long time, you know that action is my favorite word. And I have never said that to Christine. (laughs) Oh, that's beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you, Christine, for being on the show today and talking about how to deal with being misunderstood or not understood and what to do. And to realize that you're perfect, whole, and complete exactly as you are. Thank you for for spending time with us here today. I so appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. This was a blast. Oh, what fun. So remember, everybody, to keep your face to the sun so the shadows fall behind you. Because you are a rock star. You're here on purpose with a purpose. So let's all go out there and let our light shine and speak up and take action. Because it's in that that great joy and fulfillment happen. To the next episode of Someone Gets Me, be well. Thank you for listening. I trust you gained some valuable inspiration and information. Please join me and other visionaries in the Someone Gets Me Facebook group. Or for more information on my services and additional episodes, visit someonegetsme.com. Again, thanks for listening.